0: I I mean, personally, I think do the things that can help you fight the sadness in your everyday life, you know, is that starting a compost, something so small, is it, you know, bringing your own bags, blah, 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 all this lib, like do the lib that makes you feel good, but do the actual work, which is on a local level, on a regional level, on a statewide and on a national level making sure we're voting for and we are holding politicians' feet to the fire.
1: Uh, welcome, Francesca. Do you want to give a quick introduction to yourself? What do you do?
0: Oh, what's up? Uh, I am Francesca Fiorentini. I'm the host of the Bituation Room podcast. Uh, I used to host Newsbroke on AJ+. I'm a stand-up comic. I'm a correspondent. You see me on a couple things and then don't really know where to place me from. So, yeah, what's going on?
1: Um, I actually first started noticing you on AJ Plus and mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you right out of the gates. What was your involvement with them? How did you become involved in that whole little organization?
0: I helped launch AJ Plus in 2013. Um, AJ Plus is of Al Jazeera, of course. And so they hired me uh, to be a presenter and a producer. And I was and stay with them for a while. Help them launch the whole channel, uh, which of course the uh, the Silicon Valley ness of it uh, wanted to be an app. They're like, we're gonna make a whole new app, and I was like, <laughs> don't, don't do that. That never works, and it didn't. But uh, no, they went on to do you know lots of successful Facebook and YouTube uh, content, and yeah, then I launched NewsBroke in 2016 when uh, Trump started running for president. And uh, the rest is <laughs> painful history. No, no, no. And uh, and yeah. And we, we ended our last season in January, and hopefully we'll come back, but unclear.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah. um I, I have like I've adored all the work that both uh, you and AJ Plus put out in terms of its content. I do get a lot of pushback when I play stuff from either Al Jazeera or AJ Plus because people are always like, "Well, it comes from the government of Qatar. Um, they're a monarchy." Uh, they're obviously, you know, they're not very high on the human rights record. How how do you no. kind of juggle the idea of working for um, a basically it's it's directly funded by the government itself, news organization, but that is still putting out such good progressive content?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. it It is weird. I think the difference is that I have never had any anyone tell me what I could and couldn't do and say. And so I have, you know done a lot of like viral videos on socialism and you know uh breakdowns of you know white supremacy and all kinds of stuff that like even a few years ago especially around like anti-capitalist ideas you know you don't you didn't really see much of it people don't really say socialism openly um so if i felt like i was being steered to not say or to say something i would definitely have bristled more. Um, But look, Al Jazeera is an award-winning international news organization. Like, I I repeat this a lot, but it has won Peabody's. You know, it's done incredible documentary work. Um, And it's, you know, look, Qatar is a country that sees Al Jazeera and media as, like, its version of soft power. You know, like, they don't have... Tanks and guns and and they don't have they're actually very isolated in the Middle East right now because like Mm -hmm. the Emiratis and the like the Saudis hate them because they actually like you know speak critically about those countries so it's a fairly small
1: really small too it's like it's a really tiny country yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Al Jazeera means peninsula. So, like, I'm not going to stand by and say, like, everything the Qataris have ever done is what. No. And in fact, you know, Jazeera covered a lot, especially when it was related to the World Cup and the building of the the stadiums there. Jazeera covered that. But I definitely am not like there are lines I wouldn't cross. Like, to be honest with you, I do think that Russia today, RT, is a propaganda outlet. I know people differ on that. Uh, I would never work there. Uh, They have a line, I think, and they're not allowed to cross it. You can critique U.S. military policy all you want, but the moment you talk about, like, well, Russians did invade Crimea and, like, Mm -hmm. annex (laughs) it, you know, then it's like, (laughs) no. Um, So, yeah, so, but look, hey, uh, get your money, y'all. I don't know. I I just have certain lines, and so, yeah, that that it's – luckily, Jazeera puts out a lot of good material and does not clamp down on the shit that I say, although – Doing comedy for Jazeera is—it's been fun, it's been funny and and interesting. And so, like, there are jokes that people don't get. And so when you were, and it's like, so I think like there's been moments of, like that. I can I can speak to one, but but uh, can,
1: you, can you elaborate? Because I, I I didn't even know they had a comedy division.
0: Well, so I was the comedy division. So Newsbroke oh, okay. is the comedy is the news comedy show that I started off of AJ Plus. And my favorite thing – so, okay, I take it back that they've never said anything that we couldn't do. There was one thing that they did not like because, of course, you know, Qatar is a Muslim country, uh, worked with a lot of Muslims, Middle Easterners, um, good homies. And depicting any prophet is not okay, right? That is – you know, you cannot depict Muhammad. Well, that also translates to Jesus. So in 2016, we used to do sketches, Right. And we put this out and then they were like, "Okay, just don't release it on YouTube, but we'll be fine. You already put it out. They didn't like censor us uh, after the fact. They were like, just don't don't draw attention to it. But we did a sketch where it was like it was trying to elaborate how third parties in this country are fundamentally effed from like jump because of the way our two party duopoly works and how you're always going to be a spoiler candidate, even though a lot of the lies around Nader did not bear out and are not true. But still, it's incredibly hard. Right. Um, And so we did a sketch where Jesus comes back to Earth and starts running for president as a third party candidate. <laughs> and he like hang glides in and he's like, I just, you know, want to be the leader. And the right is like, look, I love Jesus and hope to walk with him in the kingdom of heaven one day. But right now he is messing things up for Donald Trump. Like he, she's like. Jesus needs to not run as a third party. And then the Democrats are like the same thing. You know, Jesus was a socialist. He's great. But you know, um, statistically you cannot win in this system. So it was like, it was so this. funny. And they were like, this. they were like, Oh, but you depicted a prophet. Cause Jesus is a prophet in Islam. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you depicted a prophet. Don't do that. Um, so we couldn't, and this did not, that wasn't like, a, not call. It wasn't like, hello, Francesca, this is uh, the emir of Cut- Cutter. Uh, no, it was. <laughs> I wish, dude, I fucking wish yeah. I had a line. No, no, no. It was more like, OK, slow the roll. Don't put it out because, you know, you're depicting Jesus, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it, there, there had there. That was one instance that I can remember.
1: What did you guys end up doing with the the, the clip itself? Like, will it ever see Let It day? Is it a Patreon
2: exclusive? I think
0: <laughs> yeah, it really should be. Um, I think it was out on Facebook. Facebook, I couldn't remember if it's Facebook or YouTube. It should still be up. Um, it's like a whole explainer of third parties in the United States as part of our Newsbroke show and then ends with that sketch. So I'll find it. I'll dig it up.
1: Um, before I get into geopolitics a little bit, because I know you're obviously very well educated on those topics, I wanted to concentrate a little bit locally. Um, mm-hmm. Ask your thoughts first off on the 3.5 trillion dollar uh, bill that Chairman Sanders just pushed through the Senate. Apparently, I'm hearing this is some some good news for a change that uh, that I can start a show with.
0: Dude, uh, I've been working on my I've been working on my merch for my podcast all day, so I haven't even <laughs> tracked this. <laughs> Do we actually have we done this? Did they not take recess yet? And they actually fucking did this?
1: Well, I don't know. I don't know if it's a done deal yet. That was one of the first headlines I saw when I woke up. I've got the article up. Uh, I was going to pull it together. <laughs> but this is great. You know what's more important? Let's talk about the merch. What can we expect? And uh, when Yo, will do honestly,
0: out? <laughs> if I had $3.5 trillion to do merch, I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> you no, know, uh, I've got a couple t shirts, including uh, Frantifa, which is my squad. Uh, a nice little Frantifa flag with the Antifa flag backwards. So it's an F. It's very cute. Um, shout out to my designer, Marissa. But yeah, no, That's, I think that
1: sounds That sounds delightful. I'm um, so sorry. Really I'll, cool. just, I'll, I'll just read you the headline here. Without Please. single GOP vote, Senate approves 3.5 trillion budget blueprint. Senator Bernie Sanders slammed Republicans for complaining about Democrats' use of budget reconciliation, noting the GOP recently used the same process to force through massive tax cuts for the rich. Yep. So, um it it seems it would appear perhaps like uh the good thing is happened. i don't know i'm not i'm not used to potentially good news coming out of the united states uh of of this magnitude but um
0: Bernie Sanders lost his fight to be president, but now he's written a budget that could secure his legacy. <laughs> you know, some of us want to be rappers. Some of us want to be comics. Some of us want to be, you know, whatever, like a uh, figure skater. Others of us just want to write a budget that will yeah. change the fucking world. bro. <laughs> what if that was your legacy? They will remember the budget. Uh, <laughs> Look, we'll see. Right. I mean, here's yeah. where the rubber hits the road on all this bipartisan BS, which is mansion and cinema. You got to vote for it. Chris mm-hmm. Coons. You got to vote for it. All mm-hmm. of these senators, middle of the road senators who are like Bernie snuck in the fifteen dollar minimum wage that I definitely don't want. You know, all these senators, they're going to have to show the F up and vote for this. And then we're going to get Kamala Harris as the tiebreaking vote. And look. I am not a girl boss yes queen you know sort of simple feminist but I will say it is it will be and it is very satisfying to watch Kamala Harris Vice President Kamala Harris cast that tie-breaking vote to do something unprecedented and un- un- wonderful for the mm-hmm. fucking people. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for that moment. I doubt if we'll get that. I like I'm I'm still dubious because again like with everything um you know don't get too excited because you're probably going to get disappointed. But also fight cynicism. You know, it's a it's a weird balance. But yeah, man. I mean, three point five million is a bit a trillion, right? Yeah,
2: it's, it's trillion.
0: huge. And this is, I believe, I believe that um, Biden's initial proposal for the infrastructure buzz- budget was two point three trillion. Got knocked down to basically like one something, and it's like five hundred billion of new spending, and then. Bernie's like, I want a six trillion dollar, you know, uh, budget. And they were like, okay, and let's talk it down. And then it was sort of up to Mansion. I mean, really, sadly, Mm -hmm. I feel like we're still going to be Mansion whispering and waiting for this motherfucker to be like. Yes, you know, or like, wait to see if he's like getting his he and his daughter's like pockets are being lined enough so that they can like go with this or not. And it's just like. Do We need like a West Virginia carve out where we're like and everyone gets a puppy in the state, and everyone gets a free massage like it's like that. <laughs> how much do we have to fluff
1: well, I was gonna ask what is the alternative to having to uh quote fluff mansion on a regular basis like is, is 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 there anything else that can be done do do we have is is there a plan B without a fluff mm. sounds fluff
0: sounds fluff um Primary him, I guess, mm-hmm. is the only thing, uh, which apparently is fairly going to be fairly tough. I think there might be other states that are easier. I don't know. I feel like the senators senators are like. Do you remember when John Wayne died and they were like, "Oh man, he had like twenty pounds of undigested beef like in his colon." <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel oh. like. If you didn't know that, now you do. Uh, it was more, it was like something roughly okay. around that. Okay, I,
1: I, I heard like- Elvis, I heard Elvis <laughs> died on the turlet, and he shit himself, and yes, there was a lot of food that, that worked his way through. I did not know that about John Wayne. I, I thought, it, I, I, yeah. I,
0: I did, oh yeah, Elvis did die on the, did you say turlet? What is that?
1: Uh, that's, that's how Elvis pr- pronounced toilet, I thought, near the, okay. the later half of his life, yeah.
0: <laughs> turlet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. So anyway, I do feel like senators in the United States are a little bit like undigested beef, just clogging up our political system. And they they just hang on forever. They never Mm -hmm. leave. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, you're in California.
1: No, I'm Canadian, actually. I'm even worse.
0: Oh, fuck yeah, Yeah. dude. Um I'm sorry. I should have known that about the show I was about to guest on. Um, <laughs>
1: it's all right. Our audience is mostly Americans. So you're still speaking <laughs> to Americans. Yeah. It's,
0: it's all, no it's, wonder you're it's all so right. nice. I was like, why are you a nice? Why is Lance nice? God damn it. Um, <laughs> no. It, yeah. It, you know, look, I'm in a state with Diane Feinstein. She is old as time. There mm-hmm. are like there's sea turtles that are younger than she is. True. Um they, or the you know, or the and,
1: federal courts, Supreme Courts, like lifetime appointments for people who will be making the laws of the land forever. I just it I I don't understand, to be honest with I know, you. It, I know. it doesn't make sense.
0: I know. So so I just feel like, you know, senators are very hard to replace and I think they usually sadly are the you know, they're funneled up obviously from Congress, which is good or bad. Except for the president. Oh man, you can be an American president and have no political experience. You just, you just come in and blindside the nation and like whatever. Oh my god, you sell supplements on like the home shopping network. Cool, be the president. Like you literally don't need. Everyone probably thinks
1: you're talking about Trump, but she's actually talking about Reagan. Just so you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You heard me. Uh, You you felt that. Yeah, no, exactly. It's like, but um. So I don't know in terms of mansion. Obviously, it's more than mansion and cinema. Like I mentioned, Chris Coons. There's a number of other centrists that I I'm forgetting at the moment on the Democratic side. But it's basically a test of like, are they going to stick together? And here's the thing: like, I think progressives are gaining power. I do not believe they have the power that some folks think, which is like they could do Medicare for all tomorrow. Why won't they? You know, just and I I don't know why that's a wizard voice, but. I don't think they have the power but they do have the clout and they're gaining it cuz progressives do vote as a block and they're they've they have supported someone they disagree with like Nancy Pelosi for speaker. They've supported these bipartisan efforts. They're not withholding their vote because they understand if they do people will literally die. People yeah. are going to, you know, be displaced from their homes, they're going to fall into poverty. That doesn't mean they sacrifice all of their dem- their progressive principles and they don't seek to make things better, but it's like Progressive Democrats always get so much shit, but they've been on board with the Democratic agenda. Oh, well, Bernie wasn't a Democrat. Yeah, but my man's been on board and fighting for the Democratic agenda for a long time now. You know, and so it's like you there's always this like, are they really interested in unity? Well, guess what? They're the most reliable votes on an infrastructure package like this. Mm -hmm. They're the most reliable votes. So you tell me. Who's more, you know, like, and who's lacking unity, right? But the media, of course, is like, well, cinema, cinema's a maverick and Mansion's a maverick. And how do we just, like, you know, get them on board? And you're like, why don't we just call them what they are, which is disloyal and, yeah. you know, the same way you throw that shit around when you're talking about progressives.
1: Mm hmm. I couldn't agree more actually that's a good segue into my next question being that like there seems to be this rift right now especially amongst different factions of the left that we should be attacking the squad for not standing up to uh their proposed values right were they not going to get in there and push the communism button as soon as they got into power never happened yeah. never pushed the button i'm still waiting okay um and at the same time there are times when in as an outsider i'm sitting there being like the eviction moratorium is coming up rapidly who's the only person camping out day in and day out it seems to be cory bush the one that so many people seem to hate at the same time now from my perspective i think that it would be more effective to have more left-wing and even further left-wing people in positions of power within the democratic party because i don't i just don't see this third party working in the u.s just yet and i have seen some good changes come from progressives being in those positions but i want to know your thoughts on that because i know that's a very contentious issue right now
0: i mean look one i think it's understandable that people are frustrated and um, but two, I do think that that anger at our only allies is very misplaced. Look, I came up in a time when we had nobody, nobody. It was like Dennis Kucinich and no one. Like. No one was speaking out against the Iraq war in Afghanistan. Okay, Barbara Lee. Sorry, Representative Barbara Lee. Yes, was one person Bernie Sanders, two, one and a half, two people. That was it. There was no Gravel, AOC, Gravel, Ilhan, maybe? Omar, yeah, Gravel. But it's like no one actually captured the imagination of young mm-hmm. people the way that Bernie was able to, and that the way that AOC, sorry, AOC and Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and Ayanna Presley and Jamal Bowman and all of the other squad members have been able to capture young people and not just young people, young people of color, young immigrant, American immigrants, right, Uh, or American from immigrant backgrounds, uh, African-Americans, like just capturing that energy. No one had that energy and no one was saying the kinds of shit that we're hearing these folks say, even just uttering them. Even just putting daylight, let's say in the most, moving the most sort of third rail, which is machine, thanks for hey, we, th- we should rethink our relationship to Israel. The United States should re- rethink our relationship to Israel. What's happening in the occupied territories? <laughs> Excuse me.
1: No worries. Hey, our, not even not even rethink as, our relationship as, as that, as to as Israel. That. The words that were coming out of some of the the politicians' mouths, I was like, I never thought I would hear the words "apartheid" being said out loud. Yes. In the, like yeah, like uh, like the I was like, this is un- unheard of, unprecedented, even you know. So th- yes. so that is a refreshing thing to see in terms of change.
0: Yeah. So my my view is it is understandable people are upset. I also think that the reality is um, that politics take a that the actually the political process is fucking bureaucratic it is boring. You have to memorize and know every single inside and out. Like I remember when there was like a vote for the, you know, um, the American families plan, it was like, should they, or shouldn't they vote to continue the discussion on the, on the minimum wage at They betrayed us. It was all this procedural bullshit. The filibuster is procedural bullshit, right? And all of that is to obfuscate progress. That being said, there are current procedures and there are ways that and there are ways that actually we can actually win. And I do believe that we should be strategic. Growing the ranks of the progressives in Congress is really, really crucial. But also, if you think that, like, if you're like, nah, they're all sellouts, they're all whatever. we, I don't like that. You know, it's boring. It's too procedural. It is, you know, it's too bureaucratic. That's fine. But then I think joining serious outside pressure groups. And honestly, I don't mean... Um, groups that will prop up um, conspiracy theorists and sexual uh, predators or sort of folks who uh, like to fluff right wingers. I don't mean those folks, but real serious efforts um, from the National Nurses Association, from what's going on here in California, what's going on in New York to actually get Medicare for all passed on a statewide level first, which is truly how we should do this. Um, But. I think we, it's difficult when you get radicalized. I've been there. You get radicalized and you're like, man, I want change tomorrow. Fuck this. Like, you wake up to the fact that capitalism is killing this planet and it's like, you know, you feel like you're, you know, you, you're born anew and you want change immediately. And no one is saying we shouldn't demand it, but that it is going to take more than just four years. It is going to take, it, is, it will be our lifetime struggle. So, trying to put that in the long view. I think is really important and not complacent and not incrementalist, but the long view so we can win so we can really win. And I think this infrastructure bill, if it has things like money for home care workers, if it has things um, like universal pre-K, those are wins that might feel sort of feel incremental now. They might feel like Social Security to a a radical, you know, uh, uh, back in the the, the 60s or 50s, whenever it was passed, that might have felt like really incremental. But Social Security is actually incredibly transformative, right? And the right knows they can't take away Social Security. They can't take away Medicaid, Medicare. They couldn't even take away Obamacare. As fucking horrible as Obamacare is, they couldn't even take that away. So kind of like putting this in the long view and knowing we're going to grow the ranks and we will, you know, we're actually we're going to get stuff done. I want to say one last thing, which is learning the lessons of Bernie Sanders is really important and interesting. Looking at his political trajectory, the guy lost more campaigns than he won. He ran as an independent. He built a name for himself locally. So I think local politics matter statewide politics matter um excelling through the ranks of those rather than sort of immediately going into you know congress senate white house like that kind of stuff right um and he ran as an independent and was able to gain clout and respectability um for being an independent for being a progressive in a state that vermont's not all blue like vermont i believe has a republican governor right now um which I always push back on centrists when they're like, Oh, how come there's not Medicare for all in fucking Vermont? It's like one, they don't have a lot of money. And two, they got a fucking Republican governor. Um, so I think that's really important to, when we talk about third parties is sort of to see the lesson of Bernie Sanders, um, and how he was able to, uh, climb and I uh, don't get me started on his presidential race. Cause that's another thing we should also look at, but,
1: Um, No, and and we've been having too much fun. I don't want us to cry for the next 20 minutes. No. Um, (laughs) Although, you know what's funny? People would probably hate Bernie Sanders right now if he was the president. Because there, oh there inevitably there there would have been uh, yet another increase to in the military budget because that's not directly something that he could have stopped within three months. There probably would have been a couple bombings of Somalia. There probably would have <laughs> been a strike on on Syria or or a strike on you know somewhere near that area. And 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 again, everyone immediately would be like, oh, "We we our savior. He is he is Satan incarnate. Look what happened. You know, it's I, I think yeah yeah
0: oh yeah but- no, and I I do think you know there is. The last thing I'll say is politics. Politics sucks. Electoral politics sucks. It just does. You know, it is it is confined in this country. It is um, short sighted in this country. It is base. It's littered with corporate money, so it sucks. It's it's a bad game. Now we try to play it, and we've played it so successfully in the last four years. Um, and and the right, the left has been proven they've been proven, the, the you know, they've been proven right. They've been proven right that, like, progressive policy, politics are popular and that they are the only way, in my opinion, to stop fascism. You know, they're the only way to stop, as I say, the Trump variant, which is coming.
1: Mm-hmm. I Get guess, ready. OK, put a put a put a pin in that one because I do have some questions about that. Uh, I just did quickly want to ask about when it comes to, say, some of the things that the uh The eviction moratorium, for example, the the problems with COVID increasing in the United States right now, I think y'all have capped out at about 52% uh, double vax, but the numbers don't seem to be moving much past there. What are your thoughts on the proposed uh, vaccine passports, on the idea of um, only allowing travel if if you're fully vaccinated, uh, of uh, what some people are calling the new form of apartheid? in restaurants and nightclubs <laughs> oh by only allowing people in there if they've had uh, certain kinds of uh, vaccines so could you could you give me your thoughts on that
0: <sighs> yeah um look i think it'll make i, I think it will really make flight attendants jobs a lot easier if we allow vaccinated passengers on only they won't have to duct tape crazies to their seats anymore um I think that will really, really help (laughs) (laughs) seriously though. And apparently there was a recent study that was like, what would get, make you get the vaccine? You know, would it be not being able to go to a restaurant? No. Would it be not being able to go to a bar? No. Would it be not being able to fly? Yes. Right. Which a little bit is a little bit of a reveal of the kinds of people, not all people, but some of the people who absolutely have the privilege to do things like fly around, Mm -hmm. um, And who are still resistant for whatever blog posts they read or whatever fucking Instagram post they like.
1: that's not new, by the way. We've been doing this for years. You know, like the yellow fever has been a thing. You need a vaccine before you can go to certain countries or you will get very sick.
0: Yeah, 100 percent. And and I do think that. And and maybe this is because of the way you have to campaign as president, but I do think that Biden missed an opportunity to also instill, especially when he won, a certain amount of gravity. Like, yes, there was the you know floating of the candles for all the you know five hundred thousand people who had died at that point. Which actually, to be honest with you, someone who lost their uncle to COVID, like that didn't mean nothing to me. It was like, oh my god, we live in reality, but. The idea of, like, we've got this solved. Oh, my God, we, we got got Pfizer and the Moderna and J&J. We're all just going to love one another. And we, we're we strong. and We're going to... It's like, no, we're still in uncharted territory. This is still unprecedented. We still need to take care of one another, and it is up to each and every one of us. Like, that kind of, like like, war mobilization talk was not really there. It was much more like, ah, oh, we're gonna solve it. You know, well be, by July 4th, you'll be cooking dogs with your auntie. And it's like, no, auntie doesn't want to get vaccinated. Like <laughs> um, uh, uh, so, so, you know, it it's tough, but it, it is also, you know, God, my God, what a what a reveal for how when you obliterate the social fabric of a nation, when you allow corporations to feast on the carcass of what was once was a social state safety net. Uh, you dissolve any idea of what a community is and of what a country is, right? And I don't mean a country yeah. in the negative. In fact, the only way that America knows how to behave like a unified country is for the most egregious acts like going to war. So maybe we should think about that a little bit yeah, more
1: what does that what does that tell you it's, it's also wild how it just kind of showed us how we were classified by uh sorry stratified by class so much i had like i had the most liberal of friends asking me like uh lance why is it that disproportionately uh indigenous canadians uh black canadians uh hispanic canadians and in the same thing in the u.s you know black americans indigenous americans hispanic canadians why are they all dying at such higher rates and i was like well, you understand right? <laughs> like, the, the, a lot of these are frontline workers. Uh, we've actually stratified our society based on made up nonsense, which is yep. race, which doesn't exist. And and it's very historical and systemic and institutional. And here's OK. Well, yeah, here's here's a long conversation for you.
0: No, yeah. And I think that the other thing about that and what's so annoying is that oftentimes the media and even the left will say working class and they code it and they sort of mean in their minds white people. Mm hmm. White people are not the working class (laughs) like they make up some of it,
1: Yeah, they can be in the
0: working class for sure. They are in the working class, but disproportionately people of color make up the working class. Right. And so like this is something we have to keep remembering as we devise and develop our leftist politics um, to be multiracial, to be anti-racist and how that is actually very radical and is part of an anti-capitalist and a socialist vision, in my opinion. Um, So. But, yeah, I mean, it, and, and what is what have we emerged from this with? Like, I think the infrastructure bill is important for sure. We need to pass the PRO Act in this country, which would yes. protect unions and help unions actually form. We Yes, we should have raised the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Um, but, hey, that's a little too radical for some people in this country. But, you know, all... All I the like ways. that it's happening
1: on its own, though. I like that all of a sudden Chipotle is like, well, we just can't hire anyone. So maybe living wage is a good idea for the first time totally. ever. Sure, let's try it out.
0: Absolutely. And like and, and the other reality is like you have to those jobs should be treated like long term jobs and they're not right They are treated like, oh, this is a stepping stone. Well, not for a lot of people. That is their job day in and day out, and they work there for many, many, many years. That's how they're trying to support their family. Like, oh, no, they'll go to college and then, uh, you know, not get a job and then, you know, start an OnlyFans account, and then it'll be a whole thing. I was like, no. (laughs) this is their job. And if we have a huge service sector, like, oh, no, we don't make anything anymore. Well, our service sector is gigantic. Um, then we need to actually start treating those workers as not summer job workers, but as this is the working class, you know, um, that though these places, these, you know, are, are sites of struggle and our sites of work. And, and I think a lot of folks are it's dawning on them. Man, we've got a lot of work to do. When you think about that, you're like, oh, God, we have so much work to do. But. It's the one place if we can give Biden any credit to be like, oh, oh, this guy gets unions. OK, it doesn't feel just like lip service. Uh, and mm-hmm. we'll see. Right. If he's going to be able to put the squeeze on his centrist to actually pass something like the pro act. Yeah. But the guy when this Bessemer vote was coming down and Biden didn't know which way the Amazon Bessemer vote was going to go down. Right. And obviously there's a lot we could talk about within that. Mm-hmm. But he's still. Without openly putting the presidential weight behind those workers, he did. He essentially was like all workers should have the right to unionize. No corporation yeah. should stop it's, them from it's doing so. It's illegal
1: to try and prevent it. Like the, yes, I think those it's are, illegal. He, he used those terms. It is illegal to try and prevent workers from unionizing. And it is. And, and it should... It should be something that most people are aware of. I think it's the same thing of when, like, a cop is arresting you. A lot of people don't know their rights. If he's like, hey, can I look inside your pockets? And you're just like, well, sure, whatever you say. Help yourself, right? right?" And it's like, well, you have to ask, am I under arrest? No, then I'd like to go about about my way then, you know? like You have to to teach people that. Um, You you had a really good point in relation to the fact that when you learn about all these systems, how they work, capitalism, etc., you probably just want to, like, change it so you're not a part of the machine anymore. But... When it comes to the uh, the IPCC report that came out yesterday, global oh. warming is obviously at the front of everyone's mind. And it's just the existential dread that continues our doomer all and our addiction to that substance. I was going to ask what could be done, because that's the most often question I am asked uh, both on my show and just in general and by family. What can be done? Because no one feels like they have any power as, a, as an individual compared to these massive uh, you know, institutions, politicians, what have you.
0: I mean, I think at this point, you know, do I, I mean, personally, I think do the things that can help you fight the sadness in your everyday life. You know, is that starting a compost, something so small? Is it, you know, bringing your own bags, blah, 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 all this lib shit, like do the lib shit that makes you feel good. But do the actual work, which is on a local level, on a regional level, on a statewide and on a national level. Making sure we're voting for and we are holding politicians feet to the fire. You know, I, I interviewed Naomi Klein for my show recently and she was like, you know, it is there's been a lot of focus over the years on um, corporations as there should be. Right. Um but corporations are just I mean, they're they're just like fucking like robots. You know, they're I, money, money, money. Like there's not they're, like they don't really respond to pressure that much mm-hmm. money, security, like like whatever. <laughs> and that's them just like throwing all their, you know, droids or not droids. What are the bad ones? Stormtroopers. And so they have in bad my droids, too, there are bad droids. Yeah. So she she was basically not all like, droids, right. Hashtag not all, not droids. all
1: droids. Yeah.
2: Thank you.
0: But she she definitely was like the amount of mobilization, the the pace that it needs to happen in the money that needs to be put in there uh, can only happen through the government. They can only It's the only money, the the kind of money that only governments can wield. So whether that's a local state, you know, federal government, that's what we have to do is keep on calling our elected officials, which I know feels so whack and feels so meh. But do it and also like do things that help you fight against the sadness. And that could be. You know, I get so much out of going to street demonstrations. I love that shit. I love making a sign. I love chanting. I love Same. standing by the dude with the boombox. Yeah. Even that, when you're like, you could be at home and be like, three demonstrations don't change anything. It's like, no, they do actually. And they give us a sense of solidarity and like what we're actually fighting for. Um, so I think it, it, there's a lot of that. I mean, I'm, yeah, it's a, It is devastating. It's it's upsetting right now. And uh, man, I wish the IPCC had some sort of like enforcement body. I Mm -hmm. asked the head of the IPCC in twenty eighteen seventeen when COP when the COP thirty nine or whatever the hell it was. Now I'm just forgetting numbers. um, During the Paris Climate Accords, I was like, so if a country doesn't comply with your Recommendations. Can you just unleash the monster that's under the Fukushima Daiichi power plant?
1: (laughs) The kaiju? Exactly.
0: (laughs) Can you just unleash that on the countries, you know, to like make them comply? Oh, that would be so
1: based. Oh man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like we need a mon we need some sort of monster to be like, you know, just like to rip out, you know, fossil fuel pipelines and shit. ah, I would love that. That's I'd pay to see that. Um, but, you know, and in, in terms of Biden, let's say, let's call it what it is. The, the thing that he's fucking up on is around the fact that he stopped the Keystone XL pipeline and then approved line three, which is also a tar sands pipeline. It's like, what are you doing? This is the same th- shit. It's just got a different name.
1: I mean, I can only take a little bit of solace in the fact that he really fucked over Canada by doing the first one. So, like, thank you for that one. <laughs> but um, in terms of the second, yeah, it it is monstrously hypocritical. That's the reason why I keep thinking... What needs to be done in terms of immediate action? Because, like, I've seen those reports that say if we plant 300 billion, which doesn't sound like a lot of money in terms of what we spend money on already, $300 billion worth of trees globally, we'll buy ourselves an extra like 20 to 30 years, you know, um, uh, crazy before we hit that like 1.5. And then we pull out of Afghanistan and I look at the numbers and it's like, well, the Taliban took back over in the span of two weeks. And that was what, like $2.6 trillion that it cost? Right. So, like, it it seems to be like maybe is it just like on you like for for you and me for example for like opinion pieces pundits on the internet um is, is it on us to tell everybody maybe you should resort where you want your priorities to be in your government or how you want to be reflected because your dollars are either going to a giant weapons machine or they could be going towards keeping us all alive in the next 200 years
0: do you mean like t- tax resistance or uh, just not, like, what well, we support?
1: no, 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 not necessarily tax resistance in terms of our representatives, right? Like, I, I I, even Bernie Sanders, I didn't find was someone who was coming out and saying, you know, like he would he would criti- he would critique the the military industrial complex, but I've never heard strong language like, we should nationalize Raytheon or we, we should yes. stop the, the arms sure. sales yeah. to, to to countries that, that are bombing Yemen on a regular basis. We should end all of our military support to Israel, even though we signed that like 2016 10-year pact to increase it or sorry, to have 3.5, what is it, billion dollars per year in military yeah. aid,
0: yeah.
1: you know, no matter, no no,
0: matter what's and- happening. No, for sure. I mean, it it is it is about money and it is about priorities. And, for example, you, you know, look, we already have farm subsidies in this country, in the United States. We already have fossil fuel subsidies in this country. Right. I can't believe we're fucking subsidizing a death industry. I know you were talking about the military, which has its own carbon footprint. But what if we took the farm subsidies and the fossil fuel subsidies and we're like, look, you can have a farm subsidy, but you have to create a regenerative farm. You cannot plant, you know, monocrop because monocrop will kill soil. Soil absorbs carbon. We need that shit. So you need to get good soil. You need to have, a, you know, a diversity of crops and then you'll get the subsidy. And the same, you know, look, in California, there's like, you know, there's a tax break if you have an electric car. That helped me a lot. Like mm-hmm. I, I use that shit in a heartbeat. And it is it is about money. It is about incentives. Look at the vaccine people got a hundred dollars for taking the vaccine, we would have been vaccinated. We're stupid Americans. Um, but I do think that it is about that priorities and about money. So yeah, it, you know, uh, we have a lot of farmland in this country and I do think that that farmland could be turned around to actually, you know, combat the climate crisis rather than perpetuate it.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, In the the final minutes that I have you, I do want to ask about that pin that we set and your fear of the 2024 elections. I'm going to just say right out of the gates, I think it might be a bit of a lefty thing to think that uh, the Democrats are about to get completely smoked in the midterms. (laughs) Well, I just I'm not as cynical as that. I think they may lose the Senate because the Senate is already so like tenuous. Right. It's it's a tie with with the tiebreaker being, uh, you know, the vice president. I, I think they could probably hold on to the House, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. But also, who do you fear is going to be the next big Trump to come along? Because I, I also feel like the GOP is so strangely fractured now. they they become the yeah. party of Trump, but they become the party of Trump with someone who is such a toxic candidate who's embroiled in so many of his own problems, right?
0: Yes, Um They're trying. They're trying to see who is going to emerge from all of this. I mean, and it seems like maybe fucking Ron DeSantis, even though he's overseeing massive amounts of COVID cases and deaths and like, you know, not allowing children to um, wear masks in schools, making sure that that doesn't happen. Um, And yet that's what the GOP loves. They love death and, you know, just ooh, bring it. So Ron could be it. Uh, In terms of like who's the Trump variant if it's not Trump himself. I hope it is Trump himself because I do think he will lose again. But I am not comfortable saying that. I do think he will lose if Democrats fucking, you know, throw in the towel on this and don't do things like pass this infrastructure budget, you know, reconciliation plan um, and don't start touting the shit that they've done. Look at what we've done. Let's talk about it. Did you get a child tax credit? Yes or no roll out those ads. You got to roll I mean for everything that he was awful at, the one thing he was good at, Trump was selling himself and selling his vision. Biden's got to sell a vision. Every single day and if he can't do it cuz he's, you know, we you know, he's a sundowning old man, get, you know, get Kamala Harris or get some some like, you know, someone to like voice a sexy ad or whatever it is, but just sell the vision. Um the other thing I'll say is that like if Demo- I don't think I am an internal optimist and also not like super up on every little detail. So like other people might see the writing on the wall for Democrats. I don't see it. Um, but I hate the way our media is like, well, it always flip flops after a president's won in the next two years, you know, the next term. And then there we go. And we just <laughs> ping pong until the apocalypse. I think that we need to break that narrative and definitely um Democrats need to not sort of buy into that self-fulfilling prophecy that this is the way it's going to go, and leftists need to not buy into the "ooh, I can't wait for this shit to blow up in Democrats' face." Oh, there I hate is a that. there's a part of me that is like, do I really do wish it blows up in their face? But I know we cannot afford that, uh, and no, of we not. meaning the most vulnerable. Yeah. Um, Well, it's like
1: I've seen people online who always tweet and this is obviously kind of the LARPy online left that is like, when is the U.S. empire going to crumble? When will it fall? And I was like, "Okay, do you know pragmatically what that means? That means uh, millions of people will die. Millions of people will starve. And on top of that, the global economy will utterly collapse, leading to right wing governments propping up all over the place. Wars, drought, like it's not as simple as just being like, you know, end blank. And everything is—it's yeah. so it's the same problem with them wanting you know AOC to push the communism button, which I I still wish she would. It's there every day. It's right
0: there. Just uh, push uh, it every day. I she know. wakes up and has the communism button. Well, the other thing I will say is about that is like being useful, right? Is it mm-hmm. what do you think that what Marjorie Taylor Greene is doing right now? She's been stripped of all of her roles on any committees, so she she probably. If she were to propose a piece of legislation, which I know she has, it's probably like put Nancy Pelosi in a circus tent and throw, <laughs> you know, I don't know, whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> Who's gonna back that? I'm. she could get like, you know, 10 Congresspeople to back whatever plan she's got. That's not gonna pass muster. So that's what's interesting, is like who who and how are you building alliances? And you you are going to have to build alliances with people who we don't 100% agree with. That is coalition building. That is how things are done in the political sphere, in the movement sphere as well, if you believe in social movements. A social movement, I don't believe. In a small cadre of perfect socialists, no such thing, Mm -hmm. who then, you know, put out the bat signal, throw down the line. We've been the country has been over this in the 60s and 70s. They were like, all you need to do is have a, you know, Marxist Leninist cadre and then everyone else will follow suit. No, it didn't happen like that. And it will not happen like that. I believe in a very much a democratic coalition of different political stripes, different stripes on the left everything from anarchists to to, to democratic party, you know, like let's let us build that kind of coalition that isn't stupid about electoral politics, meaning they don't put all their eggs in that basket, but they don't put no eggs in that basket. Um, That understands that arc of change. And so someone like AOC is trying to as much as she can, because man, she gets shit on by Democrats like Hakeem Jeffries, representative Hakeem Jeffries and other centrist Democrats all the time. Right. But she's trying to stay around and not be irrelevant to the political process like someone like Marjorie Taylor Greene is.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, I had a couple questions from the audience. Do you have time for one or two? Hell yeah. Okay, sweet. Uh, One of them is uh, to Francesca. How can the left form a robust international politics? Uh, Can we approach the notion of the act of interventionalism? And uh, does withdrawal not entail anti-imperialism at all?
0: Does withdrawal... It's, I'm sorry,
1: I'm, I'm trying to... I was trying to... I think it was typed a little bit in haste, so I'm trying oh, to, okay. to read it out as, as best as I can. But how, how about this? How how can the left form a robust international politics? And how do we approach the notion and act of intervention? And that's the US, U.S. intervention, I'd assume.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me on this is to, um, to not be knee jerk about our politics when it comes to, um, foreign policy. And what I mean by that is obviously neither buying into a militaristic right wing, you know, we must stamp out terrorism and the United States is the benevolent, you know, do gooder throughout the world, the world's cop, that's bullshit. We know, but at the same time, understanding that Part of the United States' slow descent from its being a hegemon is that there are other powers in the world. Some of them are okay, some of them are pretty unsavory. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say, you know, Assad is unsavory, right? I don't I am not of the ilk that my the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So I do think there are people we have to look out for, you know, uh, in terms of heralding them just because they hate the United States. That doesn't mean I believe in intervention toppling those people at all. It just means my solidarity is not contingent upon if you hate U.S. intervention. My solidarity is contingent upon the people. What are the people on the ground asking for? Uh, And I think the Syrian people have been very divided, but have been asking for, um, honestly, some of them back in the day were asking for humanitarian intervention. And me as a lefty was like, no, 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 no. Um, And we don't have to talk about Syria because it's this whole can of worms. But like Afghanistan, right? What are the people saying? Not Taliban leadership, fighters, whatever. But also what are people saying? And there are, for example, in Iraq. The Iraqi oil workers had a union that was also doing work with some anti-war organizations in the in this country one that I was a part of called the War Resisters League and it was not a Sunni Shia you know sort of it, no one was affiliated with any kind of militant movement cuz it is hard especially in the Middle East to be like how do we know who these you know folks are like in the Vietnam era And my mentor, Max Elbaum, who's written a wonderful book called Revolution in the Air, where he charts all the 60s and 70s radical movements, United States. Amazing guy. He always talks about how in Vietnam it was so it was much easier because the Viet Cong were actually fighting this war of liberation and, um, you know, were communists. Right. And they were much more in line with some of the left in the United States, whereas in the Middle East, in a lot of ways, especially with the ways that it has been radicalized thanks to U.S. intervention, You know, we're not going to ally ourselves with ISIS. We're not going to ally ourselves with, like, these al-Nusra front or shit, you know. But there are workers. There are women's organizations. And I don't mean that from an imperial, like, you know, found—let's go save the women. I mean that from a, like, broad international feminist way. And I know we haven't seen a lot of those things, but it doesn't mean we can't try. And let's remember that what the 60s and 70s did have that was beautiful— was an idea of internationalism that we have long forgotten. Ironic, because we live in a completely globalized world. Sadly, for better or worse, it's completely globalized. But if we can remember internationalism and international politics, um, I do think we can build towards something that is from the ground up, that that we don't interpret other countries through the lens of our own militarized, uh, our dictators, our strongmen fuck that, right? Yeah. US China relations. We need strong grassroots and there are organizations that are doing good work and they're not all imperialists. <laughs> they're good. Um they're not all USAID related that are building bridges between people of China and the people of the United States so we can stop using the narratives that our governments are wielding against us uh about the other in order to further control their own populations. Um I hope we get there. I think that climate change is one of those perfect moments and reasons for us to unite. Um, given that clouds really don't respect borders, (laughs) which is fucked up of them. Um,
1: so you're launching the climate war.
0: Yeah, I'm launching the climate war. What I'm saying is, yeah, let's launch the climate war, but yeah, you know, there's a, there's a vision out there. We just kind of have to like make it come true. And definitely the internet can be a terrible place to do that or could be a good place. You know, I think a lot of folks... I mean, you're from Canada. I think a lot of people that I'm on the Damage Report regularly. uh, My show has got a lot of international viewers. I love that stuff. I lived in Latin America for many years. My God, the lessons that Latin America holds for the United States. Um,
1: They're having a lot of great leftist victories, too, right now in Central and South America.
0: Oh, my God. They've got this socialist Peruvian president who, once again, like, I know he's actually... He's got some bad things. There's, he's more conservative on, like, abortion rights and, and gay yes. marriage.
2: So where
1: have you – I've been saying the same narrative for a while. I've been like, I, everybody, I do not endorse the fact that he's apparently homophobic, that he apparently is not for women's uh, reproductive rights and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But he yeah. is not a fascist. His opponent is a literal fascist, and she's the legacy of a dictator, so I would prefer that he's in power. But I yeah. haven't found a lot of direct sources that attribute – like, I, I, I. is that – I mean, I don't want to throw Holly oh, like, no, Strong's conspiracy I, theories out here. I just I just haven't seen that um, coming directly from like Telesur, for example.
0: Yeah. Oh, you mean about those conservative, his conservative ideology? Yeah, about,
1: about him being like homophobic, for example.
0: I don't think there's enough good reporting. And I definitely don't mm-hmm. think there's enough good English language reporting on this. And I think he did um, – his victory was unexpected mm-hmm. and – it, it is great. Like, I think anything that breaks sort of that stranglehold, obviously, the Fujimori stranglehold of Peru is great. Um, so I feel like it's like we don't have to we don't have to come down one way or another. And even if um, like, it's also not up to us. Like, I think the other thing is like that on the left, we're like, we can participate in our own, especially from like the United States, like in our own sort of hegemonic understanding of the world even from the left, by being like, well, I get to decide what is a good movement and what is a bad movement because I – and it's just like that's still kind of imperialist, you know? Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to have – you know, not all things have to go through you, buddy, and your own perspective on, you know, whether this is a good or bad thing for Peru. In my mind, seeing the way he has come from the grassroots, he has come from – he is – very open about trying to tax the mining corporations, which, spoiler alert, he's going to fail on doing to the extent that he wanted to, because Peru is not a rich country and they do rely a lot on mining. So he can't totally bite the hand that feeds him, which is sort of this, you know, it's that it's the double edged sword of being a socialist in a, you know, second world global South country.
1: Canadian mining, too, I should add.
0: Huge Canadian mine. Sorry, Oh, yeah.
1: we love Very mining the much. world. We, oh, it's our thing. Yeah.
0: yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, we we'll see. Like, I would love to actually go there. I would love to. You know, I, I await. I am not an expert, but I think there are other people I could direct direct you to who could talk to your audience more about cool. him.
2: Oh, I love that. Thank um you.
0: Yeah, I got a bunch of suggestions from a good friend of mine, but so I'll pass those along to you because yes, we should totally, you know, consult the folks who know, get some good nuance around this. Um but is it a break of an oligarchic stranglehold on that country? Yeah. Am I for that? (laughs) Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah.
1: I I would totally agree. Okay. I I have two super quick questions. Can I throw them up? Okay. One of them is, what do you think will Biden run again for years? Or is he going to do what he said before? Come on, man. (laughs) Hey, Jack. And just uh, pass it on over to uh, Kamala
0: Harris. (sighs) I think he's going to run again. I absolutely think he's going to run again. Um, even though he said he was a transitional president. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to think about that. I, I am at once afraid and excited for someone like Vice President Kamala Harris. I mean, I'm excited mostly in a shallow way, which is, it's not nothing, but I do think it is limited because she's a woman, she's a woman of color, et cetera. That being said, she is very much not a progressive, um, I don't think she really has she and you know, it's funny it is interesting that our first vice president who is a woman is very much like selena myers from veep like just kind of like I like power what can, we, <laughs> can I have more power like like like, she, like I'm but I'm pretty and like I deserve power right and then when she gets there she's like I don't know what I stand for you know it's like
1: <laughs> tell like, me what to stand for please totally
0: tell me what to say no disrespect you know, but and most politicians, Vice President Kamala Harris is not unique in not having politics. Most politicians don't have a lot of politics. Um, But so I, I'm not excited for her, especially because she puts us once again in that space where she will be torn down because of her gender and her race, because that's the fucked up country we live in right now. Yeah. Um, They will hammer her just because of that. And she's also not like sort of doesn't have the progressive principles that I would want. So it's that, you know, I'm in the same boat here in California. we have got Governor Gavin Newsom, who's been effing up in so many different ways. But he believes that climate change is real. Now he's facing a recall and he might be replaced uh by a YouTube influencer who is called the landlord influencer. Uh, that's if we're lucky, if we're unlucky, he was replaced by right wing talk show host, Larry elder, who is said, yeah, who's running for governor and has said things like women are not as smart as men. Uh, you know, uh, like whatever. He said some really fucked up stuff. Like, you know, I can't even remember all the things. Um, but you know, these, these, I have to defend Newsom. Do I enjoy that as a leftist? No. <laughs> do I think it's strategic? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this is this is that world we live in. So anyway, I don't know. I think he I do feel like Biden will not. He He's going to run again. He's going to run again. And hopefully we can get more done under him. Um, and hopefully he'll know how to tout that. Uh, and then. AOC can primary Kamala
2: Harris.
1: (laughs) Which would be glorious.
0: Which would be glorious. And probably would be unsuccessful. But you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. My final question um, is, I'm sorry to have to do this. It's a bit of a bombshell. I was doing some some research into you. I was looking at your website. And I I found a review that is very prominent at the top of the website. And I'd like to read it out now verbatim. Yeah. A sublime force of energy... A powder keg of wit and personality, the world has been waiting for Francesca's mum. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's an unbiased source, to be totally honest. And you're leading with
0: well, that. Look, um, a review is a review, okay? And so long as New York magazine's not calling me for the interviews, like she is a source. Like, just cause she birthed me through her body doesn't mean she doesn't like me, you know what I'm saying? Like she loves me, but she doesn't like me. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. feel like it's fairly neutral.
1: Okay, all right. Well, right. I'm, I'm glad. The, I mean, that was a huge uh, worry that I was going to have to clear up, you know, Francesca Gate. <laughs> but we've done it. All right, everybody. It's it's now the scandal is over. We broke and closed the scandal in under one minute. So you're welcome. I helped out. Um, Francesca, where can everyone find you? Why, why don't you drop all your oh socials, my god, give dude your plugs.
0: Find me on all the things at Franny Fio F R A N I F I O on YouTube and on Twitch. I stream every Sunday five eight Eastern. I know that's not enough for some Twitch users, but uh, the Bituation Room streams every Sunday five eight Eastern um, on YouTube and on Twitch, and I'm um, on Instagram and Twitter at Franny Fio as well.
1: Thank you so much. This was an absolute pleasure. You're uh, you're really funny. Uh,
0: oh my god! Uh, I thank you for letting me talk. God, I just love the sound of my own voice, Lance. uh, Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for what you do and for bringing me on and for, you know, talking to people every day and keeping us company.
1: Cool. Thanks. Let's talk soon.
0: (laughs) All right. Take care.
1: Bye. Oh, that was awesome. So you've just been listening to an episode of The Surf Times. And if you enjoy it and want to see The Surf Times, you can go to weareSurfs.com or watch the live shows at thesurfs.tv. And also everywhere social media is sold, basically thesurfs.tv. You'll find us there, twitter.com slash thesurfstv, for example. It would also help us out tremendously if you could leave a good review of this podcast if you enjoyed it, either on, I don't know, iTunes or wherever you're podcasting. Apparently it does help. And yeah, we hope to see you soon.
2: To our gods, Xander Corvus and Peyton L. Just, we will build a ladder to heaven to deliver you the daily news. To our monarch, Tom Spiker, we are your most humble of clownish jesters. To our lords, Trevor R. and Alexander Thaler, you have our undying fealty. To our knights of the round table, Nate, that one guy, Hagbird Celine, Matthew Scarborough, Stellar Vision, Arianna McCarthy, Daniel Sutton, Ants Are Still Running the World, Coulter Smith, Tom Grow, Val 9000, Jenna Tal, Quiet185, Anna Loves Riley, Riley and Anna, Omni, Poodle Hawk, The Tim Caucus, Multimondi, Trevor Janis, Lemmy 101, Anthropophojack, Saren42, Chronic De Hemp Hog, Catherine, Radical Maniac, Ramon Acosta, Incosin, Violent Orchard, Sophie Baby, Political Puppy, Andreas Chiringuito, Zach Christensen, Josh Mickelson, Todd Buckingham, and Todd Lageness. We shall meet you in the tavern, and we raise a drink, and we salute you.